Hello everyone, welcome or welcome back to a new episode of Juicy Conversations with Julie. I'm Julie, I'm the host, and today's episode honors Black History Month, its importance and its significance to the Black community as we look at Black history, Black culture, and the many challenges that we still face in tackling discrimination and Black racism within Western society. If you like this episode and the podcast, don't forget to give it a rating and a review to follow GC Conversations on all streaming and social media platforms. And as always, the DMs are open if you have any questions, ideas, or if you simply want to take the conversation further. In the meantime, it's time for me to welcome my guests. Hello, guys. Welcome to this episode. Thank you very much for being on. Before anything, we're just going to go around the Zoom. <laughs> and if you can both introduce yourselves very quickly, and then I'll introduce myself and the topics of today. Hi, my name is Aquia. Um I'm the second year at Surrey University, and I currently study law. Uh, I got invited to this podcast by Demi. And I thought, well, might as well try, you know. Uh, hi, I'm Demi, or Demir is my full name. Um, <laughs> dragged a queer into this, <laughs> as she said. Um, yeah, no, I, um, I'm second year as well at Surrey. Um, and I'm studying politics and international relations. And yeah, I'm excited to talk about Black History Month and how the month went and the topics that go along with it. So thank you for having me again, Julie. Thank you so much guys for coming on. Um, and yeah, so as you said, we'll be talking about Black History Month today. So for anybody that doesn't know, Black History Month was in October. Um, and so I thought doing a podcast at the end of the month to kind of round up, look at what we think went well, what didn't go well, why this month exists would be a good idea. So as a, like a starting point, how would you guys say, how did you think it went? What did you kind of expect and were your expectations met? Uh, I think for me, uh, I didn't really see too much. I don't know if that's my own fault for not going and finding things or what. But um, social med media was quieter, I think, than last year. Um, and yeah, no, I, I mean, it was, it was, I always take the month though to kind of myself, like try and better myself and find out new things. Mm -hmm. But that, that doesn't necessarily mean that um, it was a widespread collective, mm -hmm. let's take this to reflect. <laughs> but um, it's, I mean, besides the black community, I don't know. I'm hoping other people did that who didn't happen to be black and do that. Uh, so, yeah. I think it was quite quiet, you know. I didn't really hear anything. The only social media like info about Black History Month that I got was like a Surrey Union, like ACS, when they were like posting about you know famous black people like the inventions and what they did like activists and stuff i didn't really see anything else that was like all i saw yeah i i did um a woke session where we talked a bit about black history month um it was one of the questions the question we did was um do, is black history deliberately taught in a negative light so Akoya was there, like us in the room were just discussing that. And we all thought, yeah, <laughs> it is. Um, and we would have liked a more, when we were in school, a more comprehensive 
learning experience about the black experience other than slavery um we think it would have been more empowering as students so yeah yeah i think for me i definitely i felt it and i think when you go on twitter when you go on instagram a lot of people felt it too if you listen to other podcasts especially by black creators i think a lot of people compared it to last year and last year with everything that happened in june around police brutality and black lives matter obviously black history month whether it was in october in the uk or in february in the us was massive with a lot of activism a lot of education people taking onto their platform to share their experiences to share their knowledge but it was very black racism driven which almost i felt took away from what black history month is which is very much a celebration and kind of shining light on exactly what you said demi like aspects of history that we are not taught because for the west history is going to be very western focused and so key elements of black history that have shaped western history are forgotten and then obviously black fishing scandals resurface and we'll get into those in more detail later on the podcast but that was kind that kind of almost took up all the space for so many weeks because that's all people were talking about rightfully so but um yeah it was definitely much quieter than i'd noticed it had been in the last few years especially last year but then i wonder is this a good thing because black history month is about what you make it and that would bring me on to my next question like for you guys what black what is black history month about and what does it mean to both of you actually i'm not going to lie i didn't know what black history month was until i first came to the uk the first experience where i, I had with black history month was when i first came to the uk and like they didn't even talk about it it was more like a 30 minutes assembly during for black history month i was like and then i was like oh they actually have this here i didn't know that existed but black history month for me currently what i want to see is like more like education more education for like especially young kids who are just like starting to you know start school get into mm -hmm. the world get their own identity to see that oh there is someone like me out there yeah there was someone like there yeah i agree with akoya it's basically it it for me it's it's a time to yeah empower young people students maybe mm -hmm. it could be students could be anyone who um isn't really feeling like their history is being honored or talked about properly and um i mean there's a lot sadly there's a lot of our history that's been destroyed or like mm -hmm. deliberately distorted so we can't necessarily know everything <laughs> but there's still you know they can't destroy everything and at the same time there is a lot of great um things that we've done it's a lot of historical figures that i didn't know about until i went and did my own research and yeah it's it's just as akoya said it, it's good especially for students to learn more about their own history and feel proud of it so mm -hmm. yeah definitely and i think at least for me and i know i've talked about this with some people who would agree but to a certain extent there's a whole element of your own acceptance that comes with black history month i'm like you Koya. i did not know black history month was a thing i 
started becoming really familiar with it when I came here for uni, so when I was 18, and then I'd heard of it. But for example, in France, where I'm from, I don't believe there is an official month. It's becoming more and more normalized now, but there wasn't an official month. But um, and I ever even realized that that was really a problem in the fact that we're taught about history. And for France, for example, so much of our history is intertwined with African history because of colonies, but also because of the influence that so many African countries have had on shaping France. And never in my mind, even though I thought, well, I don't see anybody in these books that looks like me, um, I didn't even realize that there was no representation. So I think when I first started realizing what Black History Month was and what it was about and the celebration of the culture and stuff like that, it really kind of brought me closer to my blackness, which I was really thankful for. It kind of got me thinking about all the things that I love about being African, which I not thought about for most of my life. I thought about all the things that I loved about being French, but never about being Cameroonian. It brought me closer to the community and closer to accepting the black part of my identity and then embracing it and then loving it, which then made me realize like I'd suppressed the black part of my identity for so long. And then it was like, while I was doing my research, I wanted to talk about so many things. And I started writing about um, black issues and issues with race and celebrating um, your ethnicity. And through that love and admiration that I had for my own culture, it allowed me to like spread the word more and share things that I like about the community, about the culture. I think having this month has been so useful for that. And I think it would have done that for a lot of young black or mixed race people is allow them to kind of find their own blackness. And then, yeah, definitely there's an element of education. It's just so many of our history has been distorted or is just erased from history books that it kind of gives you that opportunity to look at things in more detail and it allows people who have that knowledge to share it with us and for us to, for, for both the community and people who are not part of the community, for us to all be like, oh, wow, well, I didn't know this. And then just credit the people that deserve to be credited, whether they're the people that you were taught on, should be credited or whether it's other people uh for me i guess it's like the way white history books like describe colonization because i remember in primary school like the way they describe it is like oh we conquered it and i'm just thinking okay at that time i was just thinking okay so that means like my my people they were mm. weak like they anything they just let them come in but like during secondary school and like just very recently I started researching and like I just saw like the amount of struggles that that they fought the amount of fights and battles that they had just to prevent white people from colonizing Mm -hmm. and I just and I just found like that gave me like hope like wait like we're not that weak we're not weak I found that really like helpful Mm-hmm. And I think that history books should include that. Yeah, no, for me, it's like finding out as well, as well as like the bigger picture with colonization and, um, you know, the, the facts that had. Also finding little facts like, you know, who was the first uh, Black Oscar winner. Um, mm-hmm. It was in 1940, the lady who played... Um, the maiden gone with the wind mm-hmm. <laughs> um, like little things like that I like to find out because um I mean I like to act anyway so it's nice to know um 
that actually me and Akoya saw a play <laughs> um, about a couple weeks ago now. Um, and it, it was by Jasmine Lee Jones. She wrote um, Seven Myth Methods of Killing Kylie Jenner. Mm. Um, she's quite a famous playwright now in London. And this play of hers was called Curious. And it was about like um, queer identity and being, you know, um, a black, dark-skinned woman. And she'd, <clears throat> I don't want to do a spoiler, but she she was giving, <laughs> there was a really big plot twist at the end, mm. but she gave us all this history of the first um, black actress in um, in England who was, who was queer and in love with this woman and, it was just a, it was a really good play. Mm. <laughs> you should see. It. I'm not going to spoil the plot twist at the end, but me and Akoya found it so interesting. And um, yes, there's so many stories that haven't been told. But at the same time, I love how with the creative arts, you can kind of bring certain things to life mm -hmm. that, um, especially as a community, I think when it comes to the creative arts, we're, we're pretty good. <laughs> um, I've, yeah I love how we can we're constantly changing the narrative in our own ways mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. definitely I think yeah that's a big thing for me like of course there's there's so many just random facts like I think it was even today I was reading about the fact that um dry cleaning and ironing boards initiated from black inventors I was like oh interesting um and there's obviously so many scientists so many politicians so many people that change the narrative for society and for history today um and so much of it is erased as you said like in france again for example um in 1944 when paris was finally freed from nazi occupation they obviously had like a massive celebration and no black soldiers were there and they were these soldiers were actually replaced by white soldiers when because due to colonies black soldiers had a massive part to play in freeing France from occupation, but also helping France ultimately win the Second World War. So it's all these facts that you go back and think, and without Black History Month, I would have never even realized that that was a thing. And there's so many people that I wouldn't know about. But as you said, uh, Demi, the cultural aspect of it is always my favorite. Like you really do realize that society as we know it today and pop culture as we know it today stems from so many different cultures and so much of it initiates from black culture which i find so passionating um like for example music is always my big example and it's just kind of seeing for example hip-hop and r&b and pop which are like the main genres today seeing how how they were influenced by black culture because they were influenced by like soul and jazz, which originated from African-Americans from certain parts of the United States and soul. Then you look at soul and jazz and realize that even these initiated and took inspiration from like black chants and from um, African celebrations. And it's just like so incredible to just see where it comes from and how much of an influence black creatives have had on the music that we listen to, the art that we, that we see, I find so much joy. I think that's like my favorite thing to look into is how much black culture has influenced culture, Western culture as we know it um, today. Yeah, no, and basically what you said about joy and, you know, being proud to be black was 
pretty much the theme of Black History Month this month. Mm -hmm. Um, So in my reflection this month, it was, you know, obviously the negatives of, of what our history is, but like you said, it's important to draw out the positives as well. And um, yeah, just find joy in that, which I'm glad that was the theme, Um, even though I would have liked for that to have been um, more sources of information. I don't know what steps are being taken at the moment. Definitely. And I think like that's what it should always be about. Like it should just always be a celebration. Like, of course you have to educate, but essentially we want to get to a point where history is taught how it is and is more intersectional. And so many people feel like it shouldn't be because it's like, well, what, what place that does black history have in the West? But it's again, through black history, we've realized that Western history would not be the same without black history. Um, so we want to get to a point where history is taught in an intersectional way because so many movements and so many minorities have contributed to making the world the world that we live in today and will continue to contribute to changing and shaping the world. But that's what it is. It is just a big celebration of people and of culture and of achievements. I did feel and I I did see that a lot of people were saying though, like, yeah, it it wasn't enough. It's still, you're highly relied on you, you have to rely on yourself to go find that information. Like the information is out there. There's scholars that have done things. There's activists that continue to share resources. There's authors that create books and there's entertainers, playwrights, singers that continue to share about the black, black culture. But you do have to go and look it up yourself, which I think is one of the limitations. But then it raises one of the questions and we can get into that now of is it really up to the community to educate the rest of the world when it comes to our history and our culture uh it's like half up to us that we can start the point of we can start educating you but i think it's up to the person we're educating to further research and like also like let's say listen to what we're actually saying because i think demi and i like we discussed in work like we're educating you but the way you're thinking and looking at that is like oh let me just give them a listen let me listen to what they're saying and then just go on about my day they you don't actually just listen we're educating you but it's up to you to process that information and do something about about that information with your life or something yeah pretty much um what Akoya said um I think I made the mistake of thinking, especially last year with everything that was going on, I thought, oh, you know, now's a good chance to talk about things, which it was, and educate people. It's still not my job, like, (laughs) and it can be a lot of like mental strain, if I'm being honest, to be saying like, Mm -hmm. to be explaining an oppression that comes from you. And then when Mm -hmm. I say you, then I have to quickly say, okay, no, I don't mean you directly. And then I have to explain in like a politically correct uh, way. Like it can get to a point where, cause you're trying to get people to understand what you're saying, you end up uh, cutting down pieces of how you, or pieces of you to fit mm-hmm. what, what um, will be comfortable for people to hear. 
and into like more bite-sized chunks and it's just weird it's just like you know <laughs> I don't know and Google yeah like Okoye was saying like Google is free um although it's fun like and it can be empowering to talk about it with you guys and share our experiences at the same time they have to be willing to listen um yeah to jump up what you were you guys were saying I'm very much like in two minds just like you both are I think if people want to spread awareness they can whichever community they're from but then depending on if you're part of the community or not your tone should of course change but then yeah it's kind of like in my last episode go listen to it if you haven't already but um I, Harriet said at one point we were talking about this when it comes to like um women's security and stuff like that uh she said it's not up to women to recount their trauma to you for you to be able to understand there's resources out there there's statistics there's studies there's people willing to talk about it you don't need us to cry to you and explain the oppression we feel for you to understand so to a certain extent it is down to people's will like own will but also i think a lot of it comes down to the people that are really in power because like people power is all cute and fun and we can all be educated on these topics but for as long as hist black history is not taught in curriculums and is not included in the history that we teach like you can of course still teach history from your country's point of view like for example english history and french history are going to massively um differ but you should include every single actor that has played a role in shaping your history and the society that you live in at this point in time and i think that's the that's the main thing is there's only so much that activists of whatever skin color and ethnicity can do but it comes down to dismantling this oppression and this false narrative that is very much in place at the moment i think and that's like one of the main main reasons i think black history month exists and that's one of the main reasons that we need activists and historians and um researchers and scholars teaching us all of this because right now it just doesn't really exist in the mainstream education and and culture I, sorry, can I just say, I think as yeah, well, um, a fear of certain people, um, like state officials, when it comes to like the education system and stuff, I think that they have is, if it is taught properly <clears throat> in schools, I don't know if they'd want a lot of their white students to be like, wow, yeah, all of this is so corrupt, we should give back or do this this and this like if if because like I think a lot of things I realized when I'm talking to to my white friends is they don't realize just how much of an impact colonialism and slavery has had on the mo modern world and I just said like a simple question once of like why do you think the poorest countries in Africa were the ones hit by slavery the most you know to this day and they were like, oh yeah, that's a good point too. I think mm -hmm. a lot of people, it's not necessarily that they um, are blind to like what's going on, but they're not fully aware of how a lot of the struggles and strife and continued economic depression that uh, black people are facing, you know, in Africa and the diaspora, is due to the West. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so I feel like if a lot more people came to that realization, especially from an early age in school, they think this isn't good, you know, 
just because you're white doesn't mean you're gonna not connect with what's going on mm-hmm. <laughs> you know in in the, and I, I think especially because with our generation we are more accepting mm-hmm. give us more of an education on these things we're going to be more like fiery and more wanting change definitely because it's there's layers like And it's not something that can be discussed right now because it would take so many podcasts and there's so many things that we don't know. But the oppression that um, the African continent has faced for centuries is, of course, a consequence of the West. But that isn't to say that African leaders don't have their responsibility and unfortunately that is the whole problem is that there are people from the community that are also very much responsible for the state of things who are responsible for colonialism and slavery being a thing in the first place for poor countries continuing to be poor and for corruption to still be in place and the thing is like it's not a coincidence that the people in power in certain countries and certain African nations have been in power for decades and decades and decades on end and we don't see any change and we don't know where all the funds are going and but we see that the international relations within western societies is better than ever and it's not to go about like not to go into conspiracy theories and stuff like that but if you just look at African politics and African history it is there is the corrupt west works with the corrupt east it's just it's just how it works and that is one of the issues but yeah it is it is something that a lot of people would realize a lot more if they realize what african history is made of and how it came to be and how we came to be so mixed in the first place and it's something again that's not taught probably because yeah it would say a lot about how society was built on a lot of points but so many things say a lot about how society is built like racism in itself sexism homophobia the state of the environment that all says a lot about what our leaders have done continue to do about what past generations have done being more intersectional in your education is not going to suddenly open open everyone's eyes to it because it is very much already in front of us and yeah i think black history month definitely pushes pushes that but the fact that it even exists just shows that whether you want to talk about it or not these conversations are going to start happening more and more because you can't just erase our history and you can't erase so many people's entire identities just because it doesn't suit the narrative that you've tried to install for centuries i see that a lot of european countries and america as well like they erased so much just to keep that narrative because if you see in english gcse english history books they start with you know stone age and ice age yeah then continued that you know 1066 and all that then they suddenly stop at like henry the eighth then they suddenly just go to victorian times Mm. so i'm just what about like you know the last 400 years what happened there why don't you tell me that i know there were kings and queens there but what happened during that time what happened mm-hmm. to the people i know they didn't just vanish so what happened yeah and even what is included i feel like the narration is so stirred like in in several ways like for one like there is some black history like we'll give credit where it's due People now mostly know who MLK is, who Rosa Parks is, who Barack Obama is, who Nelson Mandela is, Malcolm X, all of these. We know. We know. So you can't just rely on these like five to ten 
black figures and keep teaching about them constantly and not include anybody else because yeah we know we now know what they did they're like and that's very good that's progress right there but they've become historical figures but we need to focus on so many others and then yeah that's the thing is even when they do talk about black history like for example obviously as i've said like france has a heavy colonial history especially in africa in sub-saharan well actually both sub-saharan and north africa um and the way we're taught it is almost kind of it is what it is it happened and then there's so much emphasis on what colonization the like the benefits of colonization towards black people it's like we taught them this we brought them that and blah blah and it's like so are it's a white savior complex of so do you think that african people would have gone their whole lives not being able to read not being able to right not be able to communicate not being able to build things do you think that they have no brains that there could have been no black engineers no black scientists no black businessmen and women like it, it it would have all happened the thing is we need to stop steering the narrative like you even hear it sometimes when you talk about slavery well if they'd stayed in africa they would have lived in much worse conditions and maybe yes they were doing like hard labor and not being paid but at least they were living in that house do you talk about the fact that trigger warning but mixed race babies initiated for a lot of them from rape because white men raped the slaves do you talk about that do you talk about the physical and moral abuse that they had to endure and that's what also really triggers me is that even the black history that we are taught is so steered for black people uh, white people sorry to be able to completely evade blame and it's just that's just not okay you can't just tiptoe around it and try and make it out to be better than it was and i'm just a bit done with history books almost trying to explain to us that slavery was maybe not as bad as we think it is because how is enslaving and stealing from people ever something that you can try and justify it's not because you give people opportunities that it allows you to humiliate them and take away their freedom and again that's what i think is so uplifting uplifting about black history month is we kind of the we take back the narrative we are able to teach history through our lens and say how we want and celebrate and not be seen as yeah colonialism and slavery and that's it we're able to celebrate the culture the achievements everything like that and also put some truth and some perspective to the history that is already taught in a very um kind of white point of view because um going back to like the slavery point Whenever I'm talking to, you know, a white person about slavery, and they'll be like, oh, Africa had slavery too. But the way slavery in mm -hmm. Africa was different compared to what was going on in America. Because if you look back in Africa, the way slavery was like free labor, but you could go back. The way the slavery was before white people came was that you, let's say you stole something from a certain person and your mm -hmm. punishment was you're going to, I don't know, work for them for three months for free and then you can go back. Like, mm -hmm. that's all you have. But compared to what was going on during the slave trade is that they would ship you off. They, they literally didn't tell you where you were going, what mm -hmm. you were going to do. You had no punishment or stuff. At first it was like criminals and stuff that were shipped off but then they started taking literally everyone mm -hmm. so they were off not knowing that when are they gonna come back you know and also like 
the way like they whitewash like slave like everything like when they say like slavery also had benefits i'm just going the mindset that white people in europe and other parts of you know the world in the west have today is that people in africa live in mud huts that's mm. what is coming mm-hmm. like i remember when i first came to europe and everyone is like oh um you live in africa like do you have pet lions i'm like why would i have a pet lion do you know how dangerous they are mm. and they're like do you live in mud huts no i live in a very nice house thank you very much mm. i came here because my parents wanted me to come here so like it's very difficult to you know wrap their hand around head around the fact that Africans don't live in mud huts because mm. they've been told since little like they've seen it on TV as well mm-hmm. like the film cartoons and stuff that you know we live in mud huts we're poor you know we we have pet lions that is still baffling to me it has to start from small that slavery and stuff education it starts from small where you have like not even just us it's also like the parents and also like the media and stuff you have to start from someone and tell them like look if you see mothers on tv it's not because they live in there don't be so you know backwards yeah about yeah absolutely yeah no um i said a similar thing on my um youtube with um my friends like in primary school we were watching a clip in assembly of what was going on in Africa and I I remember it not being a specific country it was just Mm. Africa in general which is a bit weird and like they replay this similar clip from the old days or something and it was of um kids from there being um you know without water without sanitation and like everyone in the cl- <laughs> people were looking around at me and giving me sympathetic looks <laughs> mm. and I was like what like I was so confused like <clears throat> okay yeah it, obviously it's sad what's on the screen but why were they attributing that like to me couldn't they feel what was going on mm. and just be like oh okay that's really sad a fellow human being is in pain um that's partly why I don't think people realize how harmful othering is. Like, othering allows the dehumanization of us as a people. Mm-hmm. And just like, even you hear it now, rhetoric is so powerful. Like, if, you know, with newspapers talking about um, immigrants, you know, refugees, like they'll say hordes of them coming over mm-hmm. and it's like they're describing um an animal instead of an actual person people who are escaping like traumatic places so i remember akala was saying in an interview how whenever you dehumanize a group of people it just justifies um millions of people's deaths because people feel far removed from them Mm -hmm. and they they're not seeing the human um obviously that was primary school so I'm sure these people have grown up (laughs) and you know it's not it's not that deep now but it is that deep though that from an early age Mm -hmm. they were thinking like that because 
until that point, and that's why it's such a significant point for me, until then, like, I didn't realize what the difference was. I was like the only um, black person in my class for for a few years there. Mm. But at the same time, the significance of skin color was like hair color. Like it literally didn't mean anything, which was like a beautiful state of mind for me to have. But obviously that can't last. And I'm quite lucky to have ever felt that Mm -hmm. where skin color just felt like hair color. Um, But in hindsight, <laughs> I didn't have a lot of friends at first and thinking about it now I know why it was actually because of that yeah. but at least I didn't know it was because of that I just <laughs> thought it was because people didn't like me but I didn't do anything to not be like but um there was a period of time where it was like and the parents of a lot of the kids kind of were giving my mom judgy looks at first so like my mom I don't know my mom was like to me she felt like before they knew she was educated and had three degrees, you know, in the masters, that's when they started respecting her. Mm-hmm. But they thought she was just like another, another black woman, which I don't know what that even means. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's just, it's interesting to see because um, that always makes me think about Mean Girls. Like, I think I said this in some episode about something, but um, I rewatched Mean Girls recently. <laughs> I just realized how problematic this movie is, but like, they say she's like yeah i've come back from africa she never states a country and then every time she speaks about africa what do we hear and see we hear roaring sounds and pictures of safaris no and this was a movie that came out early 2000s no wonder then people are gonna think that all black people do is climb up trees to grab bananas and pet lions like it's just it's so how can you refer to africa as a country and then of course like the microaggressions when you grow up like it's just yeah I would always be called a boy because I had a little afro and then so I try to grow the afro and get ponytails but obviously they wouldn't fall down because my hair is just not straight so then I would be called Mickey Mouse and made fun of and then it's just like and then you try and straighten your hair but then people say it's ugly and you look like I used to be called Dragon Ball Z and just oh god (laughs) growing up mixed race was just a whole lot of fun like (laughs) it's just a lot of things and then like yeah my lips being quite like voluptuous you could say I was just literally slut shamed and it's like what am I gonna do like I've got my grandmother's lips my grandmother is a black woman what do you want me to do and then yes the same thing of like I grew up in the south of France as well which is a lot better now but back when my parents would have met and when I was born which is 22 years ago and then my parents met a while ago the south was still very racist and like so my mom would get dirty looks when she was walking with me and people would think she was my um, nanny and not my mother even though like people just saw me as black even though it's like I have white in me you can physically see it and then yeah my dad like the number of times that my dad or even I get that of he speaks and my dad doesn't really have what you would refer to as an African accent even though it's so problematic but he doesn't sound Cameroonian he sounds French and people are surprised I'm like you do realize that French is the first spoken language in Cameroon it's like my dad is not well now he is but he was not born French but he was born francophone so, oh, you're fluent in French. Like, that's his first language. Just like it's my mother tongue, it's his as well. People will be surprised. Same, same. like, they'll just assume that he's uneducated sometimes. And he laughs about it. Like, my dad just, he just doesn't really care. He's like, oh, it's not that deep. People are dumb. But, like, we've been living in this um, apartment complex for 10 years and now, 11 years. 
and he's had cases where neighbors would just slam the door in his face because they assumed he was the gardener and I was like and then one day he had a neighbor I think he was down in the hall we live on the first floor so he was just down in the hall and the neighbor came out of his apartment and when like excuse me sir what are you doing here and my dad kind of looks around like confused like what and he was like what do you think you're doing here and he was like I live here <laughs> and the neighbor was like oh I'm so sorry but you understand like with everything that's going on no I don't why is black seen as crime and as scary it's like he'd been living here for like nine years as well by this point so I'm sorry I didn't recognize you with the context and my dad just brushed it off but I remember being fuming it's like this would never happen to any of our white neighbors why is he questioning when you're here when you literally own a flat in that building how dare he make you not feel at home it's just but yeah and it happens all the time and it's just again it comes from a narrative that has been installed to oppress the thing with racism and discrimination and racial exclusion is it's it's systemic and we do live in a for the west you we do live in a society that was built to oppress some and to favor some and society has been thought out to benefit and work for white males usually heterosexual usually cisgender usually christian but that's like if we just focus on the race element it was built to benefit white people so not only was it built not catering and thinking about the black community but it was also built to oppress yeah i would just say um how yeah with black history month um me being educated and educating myself has helped make me more aware of things and even though it's sad some aspects it's it's still it's good to know and it, it it's empowering to be able to realize okay it's not all just in my head that mm. we're being treated differently because there's you know gaslighting here in this country is real mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah there's many positives to take from black history month that can empower us by learning about the different people um who are like so valuable to the advancement of our society today mm -hmm. so yeah definitely i agree as well like what i did like this black history month was like you know i love listening to music and all that literally i'll wake up and the first thing i do is just put my headphones on and listen to music mm. so like, i kind of like trace that on like music mm -hmm. so like what we obviously is like hip-hop jazz soul and that like we knew that but like how you know the suffering that came from it like we could mm -hmm. create music that could just like influence world like if you go to asia like they are so like you know for example like korea like did you like k-pop and k-hip-hop that's so much influenced by you know actual hip-hop and mm -hmm. pop which stem from black culture and from us you know celebrating you know just being in a good mood and just you know then you just create a beat and you know put a few words on there mm -hmm. and it just became this massive thing and also where you know we just voice out our suffering mm -hmm. and also like yeah like soul music and also like Af like american like hip-hop and stuff but if you go back to you know the actual continent 
like you can see so many diverse instruments and you know, mm-hmm. flows and dances and there is yeah there is a lot of power in the art and in the culture and i think anyone from any culture would agree with that when you look at your own culture anywhere there is so much and you're going to feel so close to your culture and its roots and everything and i think there's a lot of messages of hope messages of suffering and a lot of just raw emotions in uh, a lot of the art that is produced by black artists whether it's centuries ago 10 years ago today which is very real and what i love like i'm i'm the same as you music is literally has gotten me through everything it's like it's just my favorite form of art by far um and i listen to a lot of music that has some kind of black influence it won't necessarily be direct and it's not to say that i listen to only black artists that's far from being the case but there's something empowering about it and there's something i just feel proud and now that i know more about the history of music and the history of the genres that i do listen to the most there's just something so beautiful about it because you kind of after you've done a certain amount of research you start to hear it and you start to identify the things that you've heard and read about and it's just yeah black art is beautiful like any other form of art and it's just great to have art that you personally relate to that you understand um and that represents you like even hip-hop and r&b today like i listen to a lot of hip-hop music and a lot of artists have become activists through their art like one of my favorite rappers of all time is kendrick lamar and kendrick says it how it is like when it comes to the suffering of the black community and he has a way of the the project that he's presented have always been breathtaking to me and he's so real and raw about how he talks about things and when i sat down and listened to some of the lyrics like his life is in no way similar to mine like i've been quite lucky i think like the black experience when you're when you're in europe is completely different to the black experience when you're living in america and also i come from a social status that enabled me to also not have to face some of the hardships that he would but in some of the art i just relate to personally and it feels so good to feel represented and then you have female black artists is the same that talk about so many issues that are so real within our community and within society and it's just yeah there's just something extremely moving about it i always feel extremely proud um when i see black art i feel i relate it's it's very personal and it's just very a very exciting part and that's as i said earlier on in the episode like one of the things i think i'm most grateful for about black culture is it really reintroduced us to our own art um and yeah just allowed us to showcase what being black is about what black culture is about what black history is about and it's about so much more than suffering it's about so much more than being ignored and being silenced and it's about so much more than oppression there is also a lot of good and a lot of elevating things and a lot of things to be proud of and a lot of things that to be celebrated uh, a lot of humanity a lot of soul searching and it's just all very nice to see um then moving on, it's kind of related, but not. Um, as I told you guys, something I didn't want to touch on is, and we've touched on it already, is some of the things that we do feel still need to change within society because Black History Month is about celebrating and representing and changing the narrative, but it is very much still about raising awareness about issues that are still so just prevalent everywhere that and, and the struggles of the Black community, uh, the struggles with equality, the struggles with discrimination, um, we've had some scandals erupt in the UK and in the world this month that highlighted that there's still a lot of work to be done. 
but in your opinions, um, are there any causes apart from the education that we stated that really need attention? What would you say are some of the some of the topics within the community that really need to be discussed still? Well, I mean, the fact that police brutality is still <laughs> mm -hmm. happening, um, you know, one of the major things. Um, I mean, I know there's been laws put in place since Floyd in America. Mm -hmm. um, I don't know if um, it's been as recognized here of the impacts of police brutality. It's not to the extent of America, yes, but, you know, <laughs> it's still really bad here as well. And I think people forget that, that the UK is not innocent. And, um, you know, I, I mean, I was literally doing a, a research paper for, for university and I was just looking at the cases of, you know, stop and search and how it's very, very disproportionate. And you, mm -hmm. you, it's six out of a thousand um, white people be stopped and search for every fifty-seven black people mm. out of a thousand be stopped and searched in the UK. And we are more likely to be tasered um, and for longer. And I just think, and you know, when you think about it, the percentages, there's 92, over 92% of police officers are white. And <laughs> like the, the biases that they have, the implicit biases um, need to be tackled. I'm not sure if their training is enough. Um, mm -mm. I think it's just the, the, the stats show for the for for themselves how bad it is yeah um, and another issue is i think well you know just <clears throat> economic wealth really <laughs> like <clears throat> we are disproportionately you know poorer and i think as well it's 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 just like you said earlier it's so systemic that it's not just one issue here and there Mm -hmm. um i can say that the increased awareness though this year has been good but i don't yeah. know what policies are being in place right now to tackle anything in yeah. the uk like going back to like the like the police training thing is like i'm studying law and it takes me three years to do the undergraduate then i have to take the bar test then I have to get an apprenticeship or something with an actual lawyer before I can actually become a practicing lawyer just to practice law. But like to become police takes like from like six months to a year. And I'm like, it's not adding up because if I need to like, I don't know, take like 10, seven to 10 years just to become a lawyer, then why can't you also like, let's say, let's say minimum like two, three years you know understand the law and like train like vigorously mm -hmm. train like they don't actually assess you if you're you know you're racist or not they just you know you train for six months or a year you don't have no criminal record like racism is not on a criminal record you can't see that like you don't have a criminal record so you know go out I remember I think in sixth form like my sixth form teacher explained to us how um 
you know that stereotype of um you know if you see a black a black boy with a hoodie on he's automatically a criminal mm. like that you can see it on the streets like when you see a black man or teenage boys who have you know black hoodie black joggers and their hood is up you automatically assume you know they're in a gang or mm. they're you know <laughs> yeah. what you can see it with the way that people's body language change and they try to avoid them yeah and i think that change in like current modern day britain because i can still see that and it's quite sad literally because my brother sometimes gets that when he's he literally just has a black hoodie on mm-hmm. and he, he has hood up because you know he's cold but then people start to avoid avoid him because you know he has a hood up and he's cold I think that has to change in Britain. Like that perception really has to change or else I don't mm. think we can move forward. Yeah. And it's not just in Britain, it's everywhere. And the thing is, I understand that there are statistics that show that certain groups are going to be more likely to perpetrate crime, but also you have to look, it It literally goes back to what you were saying, Demi, is if you look at those groups, it's usually the te- people that tend to be the poorest, that have less access to good education, that have less access to healthcare, that have more anger towards society. And so these minority groups then, yes, become more violent because they feel ignored and because they're frustrated and because there's no other way out than to turn to crime. And it's not at all justifying anything. It's not because you're Black that you can go around and committing crimes and stealing and being violent or whatever it may be. But it's not just looking at the criminals. Of course, the criminals, when they are, should be charged and prosecuted in ways that are fair. But for one, what we want to see is white criminals and black criminals being treated the same because we've had enough. Um, And also it's up to governments to tackle why are these minorities always left behind? Why do they feel like they can only turn to cr- turn to crime and to violence and to drugs and to stuff like that? Like if you tackle the issue from its root, you're going to see that crime rates. If you stop to exclude minorities and these populations, you're going to see there's a correlation and you can probably bring crime rates down. But then, of course, continue to hold people accountable because it's not because again, it's not because you've had a harder life or hard hard upbringing that it should justify any form of crime um and then also yeah just to go back on what you were saying i think it all comes down to inclusivity and awareness we need to have people especially people that work in social contexts whether it's healthcare whether it's the police even if you work in charities we need people who are trained to tackle different groups whether it's minorities or not and it's not just black people you need to learn to work with people from different ethnic groups you need to work learn to work with people with different upbringings from different genders, because we are all going to be impacted by certain social situations in different ways. We're going to have different trauma and that's the issue, but we're all so different. And again, as we've said, society was systemically built to oppress. The more you go down in the minorities, the more likely you are to be faced with society that is not catered for your needs. So of course, it starts with gender and then with race. So yes, of course, black people are gonna live in, a, in that live in the West are gonna live in a society that's less catered to their needs. And then you go down black women, and then you go down even further, queer black men and women, non-binary people, it's just never ending. So we need more intersectionality in the way that we go about things and stop treating us like we're all this standard human being because we're just absolutely not. 
And then, yeah, we need to tackle the stereotypes. Like we've talked about it so much because of how history has been shaped, because of how cultural black culture has been stereotyped and caricatured. We get people who still believe those stereotypes and it is so harmful to the community because exactly we can't do the simplest things wear the simplest things behave in the simplest ways without people looking us up and down and coming across as aggressive or, or looking dangerous so that needs to be tackled and that brings me on to the last point of today which is cultural appropriation which again we've had enough stop doing it if it's not yours don't just take it we've, like the stealing again is something that's happened all throughout history it's enough and cultural appropriation and black fishing have been central to this month because uh, Miss Jessie Nelson thought it would be a great idea to release a video that is just one fat four or three minutes or however long it is of appropriating a culture that isn't his with it, which is the African-American hip hop culture in the midst of Black History Month and thought that we we're all going to turn a blind eye. If you guys want to start with your opinions on that whole scandal, but then just black fishing and um, cultural appropriation in general, because this is not a Jelsea Nelson issue. She's far from being the first and she'll be far from being the last. I actually was, you know, I actually didn't, I actually knew about like her black fishing thing like ages ago. And I spoke about it, because, but like people ignored me. But like, if you see like photos of when she was a little mate, she had like the same shade as Leanne. And I was like, how is that possible? Her, during her X Factor days, she was white. How can she become this dark? And people start making scissors. Oh, she tans really quickly. I'm like, that's not possible. And the thing is, I'm not against tanning. I'm absolutely not against tanning. It's just don't tan to the point that you become me. That's what I don't like. like what I see is that they want to be us so bad but without the oppression and, you know, the difficulties that we face, like, you know, yeah, like, the thing is, they can just wash it off by the end of the day and they're still white. I can't take my skin color off. That is who I am. I can't change my hair texture. It's who I am. That is what I think enrages people. Because, like, you take my culture, but you don't take what the generational trauma that comes with it the suppression that comes with it all you take is what you like and then you go with it and like that's what is making a lot of people angry literally what Akoya said <laughs> um it's funny because these days like obviously because I'm mixed and I'm like light skin so these days on Instagram girls can look like me easily mm. Mm. I mean, me, me times 10, really. <laughs> um, I have, it has to be said because we've been over-sexualized and hyper-sexualized for so long. Mm -hmm. And it's led to abuse of young black girls. And, you know, I think I was, I was looking online to just see why people get their lips bigger. And like one of the first things that comes up is, oh, it's sexier. Like, I don't want my features to be sexualized. It's so gross. Like, no, thank you. <laughs> you know? Um, and we have been made fun of for our ass for ages. <laughs> like, even, even like as a kid, like I had kids be like, ugh, like your butt is big. 
I was like, this is so weird. Like, why, why were they looking there in the first place? Mm. And I had like, um, uh, just, I, I don't know. But basically, as Akoya was saying, if you want the look, yeah, how do you want the experience too? I don't think so. I mm-hmm. think it's wanting the, ry- wanting the rhythm without the blues. Yeah. Um, it's, <laughs> okay, not to completely hate on everyone, culturally appropriate because I genuinely don't think they know they should know now because we've said it loads of times but prior to us making statements about it more officially because before they were kind of getting away with it um I don't think they mean it to be as cruel of an effect but now we're saying it like I don't see how people are still doing it like mm-hmm. it's just a bit weird and as women in general like whether you're black or white we're all struggling under the patriarchy and I understand that these are the moves you're making to get your money where yeah we, we are all sexualized and you're gonna use what's trending at the moment to get your bag but that being said whilst you are a woman and you do you do face oppression putting on our wig and our makeup and making us becoming our stereotype is not helpful and it's just bringing down your fellow women and um yeah i just think there's better ways to celebrate black culture definitely and it is it's Imitation is not a sincere form of flattery, in my opinion, and I'm sick of being a stereotype. And another thing, um, we kind of touched on this earlier about how we're all kind of put into a monolith and everyone thinks we think and act the same and Black people are just this monolith without our individual identities. They don't realise how they're worsening that because Mm. the amount of people I've met who were like, oh that person's not black Mm -hmm. like yeah they're not (laughs) and um whilst it's a shame that a lot of us have to be the representative of our community whenever we're out or on tv and it shouldn't be a burden that we have to bear that's a burden they're not aware of Mm. and so when they do things they could do something that's bad and then all of a sudden a bunch of people will be like oh yeah that's typical being that sexual is typical of a black woman yeah 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 and it's just more harmful and it can lead to more abuse on the ground level of us because our features are so heavily sexualized and be a sexual person that's great i'm all for that but do it in your own skin mm-hmm. like but yeah oh, to- sorry, can I- yeah just to quickly say though um I don't condone, though, bullying of anyone, you know. <clears throat> I don't condone people then turning around, especially with Jessie Nelson, and then start harassing her more. Mm. Um, I don't condone that. I will never condone making someone feel like shit. I believe in calling someone out, but I don't believe in cancelling someone because mm. it's still a person who can learn and grow. Um so yeah, that's a side note. <laughs> yeah, 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 of course. We're all growing, and I'm sure I've said 
things in the past. I mean, actually, I've not said bad things in the past. You know when <laughs> celebrities come out and they're like, it was my past. I've never said anything or done anything. I've never gone on my Twitter and freaking tweeted the N-word like my life depended on it. And I could if I wanted to. Like, stop it with the, oh, I was young and ignorant. There's no reason for you to blackface. Like, come on. It doesn't excuse every type of behavior being young and dumb. Like, I've written dumb stuff on Twitter. Like, I'm in love with Zac Efron and, like, adding him. I haven't gone and insulted cultures, people, history. No, 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 no. That doesn't excuse everything. To jump on all of that, like... The thing is, blackfishing and cultural appropriation are problematic on so many points. And I don't know how many times we need to explain it for people to understand. But people really treat, like, I think there's a saying of, like, being black, being black is cool unless you're actually black. And that just yeah. says it all. And But the fact that we're talking about trends and stuff like that, when in the world did my ethnicity become a trend? When it did it become trendy to be dark? And when did it become trendy to have curly hair? And when did it become trendy to have my kind of body that I have no choice but to live with? And also 10 years ago, it was the same us that have now become the beauty standard that we're straightening our hairs and putting our hair up and wanting to get surgery for this, this and that. And that had so many insecurities just from the color of our skin and that we're being harassed in school because you look too dark and you look like a monkey and you were raised in the jungle and stuff like that no so one like being black is not a trend being mixed race is not a trend i'm sick and tired of hearing white people going about how they want to marry someone black because they want to have mixed race babies when did i become an accessory like a, a an accessory for you to flaunt about like absolutely not like i think there's something so beautiful about biracial love because that is literally how i came to be and you can't just like your child is not an accessory and even when you see like i saw this there was this french influencer who was like um who did a black face so to give you some context she painted half of her face black curled her hair in like a disgusting little way went on instagram and started tried to start this challenge i kid you not this actually happened in france of like we're gonna try and fight racism all of you take to your Instagram, paint half of your face black, half of your face white, like enlarge your lips on one side and not on the other. And let's show that we're all equal in the eyes of God and whatever. And I was like, oh, sweet Lord, what have you done? And it's just like encouraging a black face. And it's like, first of all, if you want to fight racism, donate to charities, use your platforms. You've got millions of, of followers and subscribers on your YouTube. Use your platform to spread awareness, redirect people to experts. Don't talk as a white woman about it. And also, how are you going to encourage people to do a blackface? And it's just like, it's, it's just so not okay because we've become a stereotype. And then that, so that woman was trying to justify the thing. She was like, for one, I refuse to apologize because I don't see what I've done wrong. So I was like, so this woman has not even taken the time to Google what a black face is. Cool. And then she was like, and also like, I'm absolutely not racist. Like me and my husband, um, we would like to adopt an African baby further down the line and stuff like that, because we just think that it would look so cute to have because they have two children, I have our two white kids and the black child on pictures. It'd just be like so cute and such a good message. And again, stop fetishizing all of us. Why is it a little fetish of like, yeah, I'm going to adopt a little black baby because bla I'm going to give him this beautiful life because black babies are just 
poor and sad and live miserable lives and apparently black people are incapable of being parents like why is it a thing and also why are you saying i'm going to adopt a baby because a black baby because it's going to look cute on pictures again just that child is going to get bullied like he will start feeling different the moment like he arrives at that family is that yeah i'm trying to keep saying every single time is like whenever i see something like that and people are trying to educate i'm like Google is free. Mm. Literally, Google is just one click away. You can just take your phone and go, hey, Google, you know? <laughs> like, you can just go, hey, Google, you know, what is blackface? Like, it's free. It's just there. You can, like, you know, you don't have to type stuff anymore if you don't want to. You can just say it. And, you know, they'll read it out for you. So mm. you're just being just ignorant and being oh i want a black baby i want mixed babies why do you want mixed babies in the first place mm. do you know how to take care of their hair yeah you thank you of their skin of their skin do you know you know the culture that she like she would like to know do you know anything about it or what you like is just you know i want black babies Mm. Just get so cute. Sorry, I, I was just eager to jump in. It's literally just what you said. Like it's the Kardashian Jenner effect. I think. Yeah. <laughs> um, it's just fashionable, isn't it? Like, um, it's what's trendy. It's degrading us again, dehumanizing us again. Mm-hmm. Some people think that being mixed race. Um, I mean, I'm not even half white, half black, but that's what I'm assumed to be. Mm-hmm. I think the assumption is that we're somehow like a, a walking. We 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 we're not a lying down white and black. Like I can't, you can't walk out one day as a white person and one day as a black person. <laughs> it's not a line. You can't be half of a race. Like black isn't a race, white isn't a race. They're social constructs. So yes, they exist. Um, but that's why I believe, like you know this recent argument of mixed people, you know, not being black, like... Oh, don't even. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> don't even get me started. Like, yeah, okay, yes, we can... Ag- let's acknowledge, like, colorism. Oh, for sure. Privilege, for for sure. sure. But it's the, sim- it's the same experience, do you know what I mean? Like, it's just... We have the same experience as a fully black, light-skinned per- person. And at the same time, oh, yeah, I don't know what my point was, but it's just, it's just, we're not a walking half and half. You can't be half black and half white, in my opinion. Like, I'm not trying to speak over other mixed people. Like, some might say that, so that's fine. I know, like, it's it's up to the individual, but mm-hmm. that's just my belief, mm-hmm. especially Black History Month. If we're going to talk historically, we were never half white <laughs> what <laughs> you know half um, white but we were still slaves so what what's your point exactly. what's your point oh, no no because okay of course colorism and colorism throughout history has repeated itself like there were slaves but yeah the lighter ones worked inside the house and did kind of the better labor if you could call it that and then the darker slaves were outside doing the manual labor in intense heat in terrible conditions were getting sick uh we're catching diseases way easier and of course like colorism is definitely a thing and your experience as a 
black as a dark black person and as a light-skinned black person is going to be different but one that is not our fault as light-skinned people that this privilege exists even though we acknowledge it and we recognize it but it doesn't mean that the oppression isn't there because what our community needs to realize is if we're too white for you don't forget that we're too black for them and that's the thing is like yeah we're definitely not half and half you're you're both you're just fully both you're more than one thing just like there's so many aspects of your personality like it's not because you're calm that you're necessarily shy there's you can be many things and it's the same with ethnicity that's why i've been so careful of using the word ethnicity and ethnic group rather than racial group and race because that again divides and those are terms that we've tried to cut down and racism the literal definition of racism is a recognition that there is more than one race within the human race which scientifically has been disproven so we need to stop using that word which again subconsciously creates more of a gap and then yeah we need to stop be seen as tokens as trends as sexual because this is the thing to go back to like the black fishing and stuff like that what women are doing and it's harm it's even more harmful when women do it because you know what it feels like to be oppressed sexually they're reinforcing reinforcing a sexual fetish that initiated from white men again trigger warning but we've said it before a lot of mixed race babies initiated from white slave owners raping the women and why because they found this and this attractive and those stereotypes and those sexual traits like the lips and the the boobs and the hips and the because a lot of people say bat, big butt a lot of black women have very large hips but not necessarily bigger butts like so and then the butt and everything those were all sexualized by white male oppressors and what women are doing women like jesse nelson but not only women like iggy azalea women like the kardashians is they're reinforcing these they're further fetishizing and contributing to hypersexualization and the um, the sexual oppression that black women have to endure and it's kind of like you can't claim to be a feminist and then go around and do things like that and all these women that sing about and prone about feminism and sexual liberty and stuff like that i don't want to see you go on your platform to talk about women should be able to wear whatever they want without being over sexualized when you're contributing to women black women continue to have to be over sexualized for traits that they do not have a choice but to possess and that should not be sexualized because most of them just comes down to biology to nature and our bodies were built a certain ways to allow us to carry babies to allow us to resist to heat to allow like it's all scientific it shouldn't be sexualized and you're contributing to the matter so i don't want to see any of that feminism activism that just makes no sense and it's just like yeah again it's like you're, you're putting a costume on and black is not a costume you can't put it on you can't of course wear wigs tan that's not what i'm saying at all but at no point should someone question your ethnicity at no point should people be turning and realizing that you are white and not black that's when it's problematic it's okay to look tanned but like for example my partner tans super easily in the sun if we both stand next to each other he might be like darker but at no point is he gonna look like me is he gonna look more african than me is he gonna look darker he's still gonna look like a mediterranean white man who's tanned but when you're doing all the lip fillers and the liposuctions and 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 putting on the, the curly wigs and the long nails and the big chains and wearing grills like this comes from your community 
No. And also if tomorrow I do that and I start wearing the long nails and the big chains and the big hoops and wearing my hair all down, I'm going to be labeled as gangster, as ratchet. If I walk up to a job interview like that, I won't get the job. If I walk up to a house ring to that, I won't get the house. So enough, enough. Your culture is your culture. You can profit on your, on your culture as much as you want. Please don't go using mine just for entertainment. Don't reduce my entire culture and my entire being to entertainment and to trends. And even if you are going to use something that is purely entertainment and trends, because fashion, for example, like fashion is entertainment and is art. If you're going to borrow from a certain culture, credit the culture. And as you said, copying isn't enough. You can tribute people in a respectful way. So many in fashion, um, African art has been tributed in very tasteful ways. It's done all the time. And I did the, I did um, a couple of posts on my Juicy Conversations Instagram about it as well. In music, we've had so many artists, and I'll name some of them again, Mac Miller and Amy Winehouse being two of my favorite artists of all time, have tr given tributes, have taken inspiration, and have used Black music to influence their art for most, if not all, of their careers. At no point do I listen to either of these two artists and I feel like they've stolen or copied and you can clearly see it and it's a tribute. It's a little musical nod of, I grew up listening to this, here is me giving back and representing and giving kind of almost a platform to these artists that shaped my music. And that's when it's tasteful and it's, it's respectful. It's like a, thanks to you, I'm the artist that I am, so I'm gonna give you a little nod in my music. But Jesse Nelson, who has literally stereotypically recreated a hip hip hop R&B song that is just something that we've heard before from black artists because it's it's a sample as well and uses every code and describe bad boys as hood and taboo and has mainly black men stereotypically dressed in like um I think it was basketball jerseys and all wearing do-rags because again people think that do-rags are a fashion accessory and don't realize that our hair actually needs it that's when it's not okay because not only are you stereotype, like you're using stereotypes and you're using elements of our culture as trends, but also you're furthering the stigmatization of black men as ghetto and of black women as sexual beings and sexual fetishes. And it's just wrong on so many levels. We've had enough, stop doing it. We won't be buying your albums. We won't be streaming your music. We won't be watching the videos. We won't be supporting you and we will continue to call you out. And of course, she shouldn't be, she's getting a lot of hate at the moment and people are insulting her and saying awful things that that shouldn't happen. And I agree with you. I don't know. I do not condone any of it. And I saw some of the things that were being said on Twitter about her. This is a woman who's been open about struggling with her mental health. Do not go and abuse her again just because she's offended you. You can educate someone and call them out without being disrespectful. But I will add one thing though, Nicki Minaj and her kind of try to pull the mental health card, well, especially Nicki Minaj. Nicki Minaj was like, this is someone that suffered from her mental health before, and now you're calling her out for blackfishing. I'm sorry, but it's not because you've had bad mental health that it gives you an excuse to do whatever you want without being called out. And it's not because you have been harassed in the past that it allows you to oppress and harass and cause harm to people. And I'm, of course, sorry that she went through what she went through. And she is so respectable for using her platform to talk about mental health and so strong for getting through what she went through because I know I couldn't. But at the same time, it doesn't mean that when you cross a line, you're not going to be called out just because 
you've had mental health issues. But then if we see that the abuse is getting too much and people are harassing you, those same black people will still stand out and call out the people that are abusing you. But just make sure that then when we need you to stand up for us, or at least not shit all over what we are and all over our art, just make sure that you're there too. Just like with the feminism, you can't be a white feminist, but then continue to oppress black women. That's never how it's gonna work. And that's all I have to say on that. <laughs> Yeah, can I just quickly say as well, I think with, it's just very much like, I think my advice would be with interracial couples, know the history. I believe that black men, white women, black women, us three as a, a, a sort of group, we do have our systems of oppression, but the more each, each other, each of us don't relate to each other's struggles or try and help one another we're never gonna get to that one percent which is something I try and say all the time mm -hmm. like don't be comfortable being number two because I think that's just kind of sad like you're not number one <laughs> yeah you won't be number one and if your way of dealing with not being number one is to shit on people who have less than you then you're part of the problem just a, yeah no for sure for sure, and just embrace who you are. Like, there's nothing wrong with being white. Just like there's nothing wrong with being black. There's nothing wrong with being anything. And yeah, just embrace it. There's so much beauty in each and every culture. And for me, for example, being mixed, like there's so many things that I appreciate about French culture and so many things that I appreciate about Cameroonian culture. And I love that my, my identity is made of both. Just embrace who you are. It's enough. It's enough. And don't fall into the traps that have been said by the patriarchy and by racism of, oh, but it's trendier. And we get we get that it sells. We know it sells. But just show that, no, well, I don't need to put this big wig on and tan five shades darker and get lip fillers and get all sorts of cosmetic surgery to look a certain way to sell. My talent is enough. And again, so many women have done it. Adele is yet another example. There is so much soul in Adele's voice. At no point did she need to pretend to be something she wasn't. And she's she's since she's been in the game, every time she comes out with something, she's topping everywhere. Nobody's ever questioned her talent because it's all, always been enough. And then don't don't the fake apologies as well. Like that's the last thing for me is we don't want to hear you say, oh, I've never claimed that I'm a black woman. I know I'm not a black woman. Oh, we know that you know you're white, honey. Thank God you do. Like, I don't want you running around pretending to be me because you're not me. The problem is not that nobody has said that you think you are. We are saying that you're acting like you are and that when you look, you play on the fact that you look ambiguous because at what point when people started thinking you're black, did you stand up and say, oh guys, by the way, I'm white. And then think, oh, maybe there's an issue with the fact that people don't really know where I'm from. That's the thing as well, is give a real apology. Go look up where blackfishing comes from. Go look up what the blackface is. Go look up why cultural appropriation is offensive and look up other communities. Like a big case of cultural appropriation is um, indigenous, indigenous groups in America who have had literally their entire um, culture erased and stolen. And now some of their attire is used as halloween costumes go look into this like there's so many cases of it and then apologize yeah i think um <laughs> claiming to be black would actually be a detriment because that that is the label that gives us dehumanized like it's a gr obviously we're proud to be black but it, it causes a lot of strife in terms of like 
I mean, Rachel Dozel is an example of claiming to be black is what's gonna derail everything. I think Rachel Dozel would have been fine if she just kept saying, oh no, I never claimed to be black and just kept on doing what she was doing. Mm. There was um, a case of a, of a black girl who was saying, oh, I'm white. I don't know if you remember that. Yeah. Yeah, like with her though, she had the right recipe claiming to be white, but the wrong skin color. Yeah. <laughs> That's the difference. Like genuinely a, a person who looks black, black, but is white and, you know, looks um, black and says, oh, but I'm white, I'm white. I never said I wasn't. They'll be fine. Because but then white not- people are going to accept the apology and be like, oh, well, she's admitted. I'm like, excuse me. It just doesn't make any sense. Like, are you joking me? <laughs> How are you accepting an apology that wasn't targeted as you, at you? Like, what? But that's why it works is when the majority says, oh, it's okay. Well, then we brush it under the carpet. And who is responsible for the sales? Who listens to the music? The white community. So if the white community can brush it off. And usually it's enough for them for you to say, um, yeah, no, but I've never claimed to be black. I'm actually white because then people, white people will be like, oh, in that case, it's okay. When no, it's I'd not. Rather they, I'd rather they claim to be black and say say it how it is, to be honest, because that's what they've been trying to be, isn't yeah. it? Yeah, no, like, I'd rather they say it how it is and be like, no, no, I know I'm white, but being black sells. <laughs> just, oh, yeah, that, that's what I mean by, yeah. So yeah, that's yeah. what I was trying to say. Like, they, they that's what they want to be, really. Um, but... Yeah, I also wanted to make the point in terms of with mixed people, a biracial Britain or a biracial America, they keep saying by 2050, the majority will be that. Doesn't necessarily mean racism will be solved. Colorism will still be a thing. Just please educate yourselves. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, for sure. You know, like, how these, like, celebrity apologies, is that I really don't buy them because Mm. a lot of these are just half-hearted I, I had to write it because you know sales are going down I'm yeah and you know amazing contract it's like if you're gonna apologize apologize correctly and like show me like show the black community as well that you're not gonna do it again you know you've learned your lesson your lesson like don't just write it in the notes app and just post it like this is my apology like, I don't know like come forward and actually say something go live and like say what you've learned and like you know what like happened for you to think that way like mm-hmm. I think it's like every year or something you know like those producers from like Teens React or something mm. on YouTube because like I think like a couple of years ago like they had like this scandal of black fishing and then like they came out with this apology like we apologize like we've now like educated ourselves and our staff and like in addition to that they also like donated to like you know black charities and organizations mm-hmm. who are fighting for that and i was like this is what i want to see like don't just you know exactly yeah on your and show me like oh i'm so sorry like, i'll never do it again then the next day i see you doing it again mm. it's like what we learned is that forgive and forget does not exist we mm. can forgive you but we're not get it so if you do it again we'll be like ah see see we told you <laughs> do you guys have anything else to add i think we've covered a lot of material which is amazing yeah sorry about this editing might be a bit <laughs> oh no no it's gonna be great yeah well if that was everything we'll wrap up 
Um, thank you guys very much for coming on today. It was so, so interesting. I love these conversations. I love talking about just black culture. I just get so excited. Um, uh, then to anyone who's listened this far, as always, thank you for listening. Uh, don't hesitate to leave a review, leave some comments, DM me with any thoughts. Let me know what you thought about the episode. We hope that it was insightful and that it gives you stuff to think about and look up. And as we've said 50 times, Google is free. So first of all, Google, I want my coins. This is promo. <laughs> and then, yeah, research, do your research. If we've said anything that you don't really know or talked about anyone that you don't really know, go Google them. It takes five minutes and you'll go to bed having learned something new. Um, it'll be good. And then just by that, you may contribute to kind of releasing kind of the oppression and being part of Black History Month more and having more involvement and being able to enjoy this time of the year as much as we do. Um, but yeah, thanks very much, guys. I'll hopefully see you guys okay. soon. Yeah, thank you so much for having us. Of course, of course, my pleasure. And I'll see everybody else soon on a new episode of Juicy Conversations with Julie.